Welcome to this edition of the Road to Kyoto podcast from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. I'm Ian Tennant. This podcast is a series of discussions with the leading experts who study and track organized crime and related issues as we look ahead to the UN Crime Congress. The Congress was supposed to take place in April 2020, but has been postponed to an undetermined date due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Global Initiative has always championed the community leaders and civil society groups and those activists who face the damage caused by organized crime at the local level. In this week's podcast, we will hear some of those voices. All of the people we will hear from today are beneficiaries of the Global Initiative's Resilience Fund, which supports exactly these kind of groups and individuals as they seek to build their community's resilience against criminal governance. It's vital that the policymakers and officials who will attend the Congress, whenever it does happen, get a chance to hear these voices and act on their concerns. Even though we haven't had a chance to bring them to the Congress yet, this podcast will highlight some of the issues affecting them, including how COVID-19 has affected organized crime. We will hear from experts and leaders working across the world from the Caribbean, the Western Balkans, Southern Africa, and the Indian subcontinent. They do not all share the same experiences and views, but there are common themes that come through their comments. For example, the use of violence and threats to exploit the vulnerable, the links between business, politics, organized crime, and the illicit financial flows associated with that, the need to coordinate policy responses nationally and internationally, and of course, the vital role that civil society plays in the absence of effective enforcement or state responses in some places. This episode does not reflect the full reality of what is happening on the ground, but it does highlight some of those common issues we are seeing, and hopefully the policymakers attending the Congress will listen and take note. Math Moms is a women's initiative powered by Nurturing Love that builds confident communities one maths empowered child at a time. I want you to imagine our mom's world as one of extreme noise. There's the noise outside made by gangsterism and the associated violence, the drug trade, protectionism and threats. There are also the dissonant realities of economic insecurity, unemployment and social ills such as gender-based violence. There's the inner noise of trauma, fear, the lack of a true sense of dignity and belonging. We foster relationships where moms and learners can experience calm, healing from trauma, a rediscovery of their dignity and their ability to succeed. They also rediscover then the reality that their communities are so much more than just gangster-ridden problem areas. The Independent Journalist Association of Vojvodina was founded in Novi Sad in 1990 to promote objective, high-quality journalism in the Serbian province of Vojvodina and beyond. We are the publishers of Voice, Vojvodina Investigative and Analytical Center, who was founded in 2014. Voice Articles is dealing with the problems of organized crime and corruption on the local level because those affairs are not in the focus of the general public. Vojvodina is located at the crossroads of major international traffic routes, which makes this territory very suitable for different types of crimes. Having that in mind, our responsibility is to be the watchdogs of those activities and to raise voice against those complicated socio-political problems. I'm Tarek Khosa former head of the Federal Investigation Agency of Pakistan, currently the director of National Initiative Against Organized Crime. Since uh, November 2019, a small group of professionals comprising former law enforcement chiefs, authors, academicians, and media persons have got together to forge partnerships 
with the relevant stakeholders and civil society organizations involved in strengthening community resilience against organized crime in Pakistan by preparing policy briefs and action plans to combat main organized crimes, especially terror financing, as well as drug trafficking, human smuggling and trafficking, and the recent emerging threat of technology-based cyber crimes. My name is Marlene Leon, and I am the coordinator of research and advocacy for Initiative Sinaloa. We are a civil organization based in the city of Culiacán, Sinaloa, which specializes in transparency and accountability, citizen participation, and fight against corruption. We seek to influence the improvement of local public policies in favor of the right to, of access to information and the right to freedom of expressions. We investigate networks of political corruption, diversion of resources, and tax fraud. We also carry out social resilience actions to help communities counter the effects of the cartel Sinaloa in Culiacán, where it has its international base of operations. My name is Vladimir Otashevich. I am the editor and director of Crime and Corruption Reporting Network, LUPA, which was established in October 2016 as a non-governmental association in Montenegro. The association was established by a group of professional journalists with many years of uh, work experience in the media. In the description of our work is to investigate all forms of organized crime. My name is Jerson Nozia. I am the country director for RAFA International. RAFA International is a civil society organization that is dedicated to end the trafficking and sexual exploitation of minors. We operate high quality aftercare programs in three different countries, as well as prevention and advocacy programs. We work with government and civil society organizations to assure that victims of trafficking are assisted and vulnerable children are protected. I'm a researcher at the Serbian-based think tank Belgrade Center for Security Policy, BCSP. From this year, the BCSP, together with five civil society organizations from the Western Balkans, meaning Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, North Macedonia, Montenegro and Serbia, initiated an organized crime raider. So the raider seeks to strengthen civil society role in fighting organized crime in the region rather than tackling specific forms of crime. So the focus is more on analysis of social and political impact of organized crime or how organized crime affects everyday life of people in the region, especially in border part, or what is the damage of organized crime in real life. In addition, and this is very important through raider, we want to educate and mobilize civil society organizations to put pressure on governments to fight crime more effectively. Let's hear some more detail on what organized crime issues and effects they are facing at the community level. Imagine a boy growing up in the snow is perhaps one with absent parents. He sees his grandmother living in fear of gang violence, but also accepting help from the gangsters in order to survive. He might be bullied at school, but then he discovers that being in with the older boys who are involved in gangs gives him some protection. Later, he is drawn into gangs by a friendly uncle, one of the few men around with money to take the boy on outings. He starts carrying drugs for them and weapons for them. He feels important, like he's part of a family. 
His grand's love seems powerless against the strong lure of organized crime. We wish to reach kids like this, but to do that, we have to work with his gran and women like her, who despite the huge challenges, have the love and resilience to persevere. Criminal governance and links with organized crime is one of the key problems in Serbia. It is reflected through the links between ruling political parties and private companies owned by persons who are close to those parties. This problem is especially visible outside the large city centers, in smaller communities which are not in the main focus of mainstream media. Voice published a lot of articles about those connections. For example, we published an article about owner transformation in one ex-agricultural giant and proved that the new owners are close to the ruling Serbian Progressive Party. One year after, the police has found a big marijuana lab on this property. Pakistan has for a long time faced the scourge of militancy and terrorism. Consequent violence and bloodshed has affected almost every segment of our society, especially the poorer communities, and the youth remain vulnerable to recruitment by the militant organizations. Therefore, the National Initiative Against Organized Crime is focusing on sensitizing the government institutions and the civil society to take effective measures against terror financing and recruitment. Drug trafficking is also our main concern, especially due to neighboring Afghanistan as conflict zone, is the major producer of hashish and heroin. About 40% of illicit drug trade goes through the porous borders of Pakistan, and we have seen drug abuse on the rise in our society. In Sinaloa, there is a wide presence of organized crime. The general is an environment of self-censorship in terms of freedom of expression. A rise in real estate prices and service in the money laundering, weakened policemen who do not protect the population, and a low civility and respect for the rule of law. Organized crime is a major problem and has a big negative impact on the society in Montenegro. It is deeply implanted in the system which is being controlled by a political power that has not been changed for more than 30 years. Persons associated with organized crime are extremely powerful in society and possess great wealth. Security organs are always going around them without stopping their illegal work. On the other side, we have average citizens who can barely survive for their low salaries. In such society, moral values becoming less important and there is increased number of those who are willing to cross to the other side of the law to save their own existence. The proliferation of gang violence in Haiti in the last two years has had far-reaching humanitarian consequences on many layers of that society. This form of organized crime has triggered forced displacement of people as of April of 2020. We've seen that 130 families have had to flood their communities because of gang violence. There is a domino effect in organized crimes. For instance, uh, as I'm looking at Haiti, uh, the way it starts, I mean, Haiti has always had uh, trouble with uh, organized crimes here and there. But in the last two years, what we've seen is that 
the way things started to come into place is intertwined with politics. Politicians who want to control communities so they can get their votes from those communities, what they do, they go into heavily populated districts around uh, major towns and they start distributing weapons to young people. The, the goal is for the armed groups to control the population so they can dictate which way the population votes. And with that, we have two groups sharing the same district or sometimes even same neighborhoods and now fighting each other for territory. We've seen the people who are paying the consequences are most often the vulnerable people in those disenfranchised communities. Uh, the main problem in the Western Balkans are the links between organized crime and state structures, non-free media and the capture state. For example, in Serbia, the prosecution is keeping silent after public allegation of ties between politicians and organized crime groups, even from the allegations of ex-head of criminal police. Right now, there are 28 active organized crime groups in Serbia, and the country remains for decades an important trafficking route, especially for drugs. Almost 80% of organized crime groups from Serbia are involved in smuggling, trade and the production of drugs, and 40% of them are transnational. The Global Initiative has already gone into a lot of detail on how COVID is affecting organized crime, for example, through our COVID Crime Watch Initiative. And some of the insights that we've seen in there have been informed by our Resilience Fund beneficiaries. Here's what they say about how COVID has affected them. Their reports highlight how criminals are exploiting the crisis and how the socio-economic effects of the pandemic are yet to be fully understood. The economic impact of COVID-19 and the lockdown lays bare the fault lines in our unequal society. In poor societies, pandemics render people particularly vulnerable to unstable environments. Criminal activity thrives on the uncertainties that come with pandemics. A simple thing like delivering food to poor communities becomes a supply line for corrupt or criminal elements. We've also seen a sharp increase in cases of domestic violence. Our work then becomes all the more important. We are grateful to report that our moms are still creating safe spaces for learners. When it comes to the impact of the crisis with COVID-19, the thing in Montenegro and I believe for some other countries too, is that just those associated with organized crime now appear as the biggest donors because they have the money needed for the missing medical devices and equipment. Organized criminal groups in this period did not cease with smuggling of drugs, cigarettes, pharmaceutical products or other. It is also noticeable that the price of smuggling has risen due to the difficulty of transport and exchange because of the ban on movement caused by the COVID-19 crisis. There are two main elements in which crime is participating negative in the face of coronavirus crisis. One, crime in the state and in Mexico has no stop. Murders, drug selling and territorial dominance continues. Furthermore, the drug trafficking culture that is permeated in all levels of Sinaloa society does not abide by the government's rule, 
which means that a large part of the population does not adopt measures of social distancing. That's why Sinaloa has become one of the red spots of the pandemic in Mexico. 2. The Sinaloa Cartel and others such as Jalisco Nueva Generación or Cartel del Golfo has distributed pantries in wide areas of Mexico with the aim of increasing their social bases and gaining a kind of criminal legitimacy against the Mexican government. The Western Balkans, by the current coronavirus crisis, has experienced a small increase in the price of marijuana, which is still very much present on the market. And the same applies to stimulant drugs. However, there is very little heroin. Prices of protective face masks, disinfection materials and medical alcohol skyrocketed even for 10 times more due to attempts of price gouging. Also, uh, in the Western Balkans, there have been cases of scamming using mobile and digital technologies as well as breaking into shops, pharmacies and other similar facilities. Since the announcement by the Haitian government to put the country in quarantine because of the threats of the coronavirus, we've seen an escalation of gang violence. There is currently 130 families that have had to flee their countries because they are burning down people's houses and people are afraid, so they had to leave. And also what we're seeing is the effect of the coronavirus on victim assistance. Right now, organizations like ours who assist victims and civil society organizations are operating at the lower capacity than before and government as well is operating at a lower capacity. So with that, the organized criminal groups have taken advantage of that situation. Now with COVID-19 pandemic, we are really concerned that drug smugglers and peddlers seem to be taking advantage of the situation. For them, disease and depression provide opportunities to enhance their illicit trade. We also notice an increasing trend of cyber crimes wherein fraudsters are depriving the genuine financial aid reaching the poorer communities and labor classes. Our major challenge is to monitor such trends. And for that, National Initiative Against Organized Crime has launched a Corona Crime Watch weekly review in Pakistan. The current coronavirus situation made things even worse. If we talk about transparency of the state, provincial and local governments, a lot of questions are opened about suppliers of medical equipment, drugs and other medicine goods and services. It seems that the answers to those questions and possible damage for the community will be visible after this crisis. So, as the multilateral system strains to respond to this crisis, what do these community leaders want to see from the UN as it gathers in the future for the delayed crime congress? What can we do as a society about organized crime, especially in the fashion that we've seen it developed in Haiti? I mean, there, there are things we can do. If we can prevent the armed trafficking, and also strengthening the, uh, the justice system in many of those countries with uh, lower capacity, we can actually begin to make a difference in the way that organized crime is so prevalent in, in affecting people's life. They need to think about countering the local problems. They should focus on studying and discussing how the messages of organized crime can be countered, because this generate the narco culture. 
Also, how to make a society value the rule of law. It's important to implement government shielding mechanisms against power economic development of cartels and on containment models to strengthen crime in situation of natural disasters and pandemics. This coronavirus crisis is also a crisis of democracy and transparency. As we could see, criminals always find their ways to cooperate, especially in times of crisis. Unfortunately for us, we know those mechanisms very well because we had war experience during the last decade of 20th century. But Serbia is not an island, so the main issue is to cooperate and to build a resilience network regionally and globally because crime knows no boundaries. One of the focuses we suggest is the problem of money laundering and the misuse of public money. Also, we suggest strengthening of independent financial forensic experts and, of course, strengthening of independent investigative and analytical journalism. We believe that complex tools for intervention in the global south need to be developed. Tools that take into account the interconnectedness between pandemic outbreaks and the social, educational, emotional, psychological and of course the health needs of communities. We also believe that the problem of crime should be addressed holistically with a strong focus on the issue of individual and collective trauma. For many people, crime and violence becomes a way to deal with their trauma or to escape from their trauma. Untreated trauma is the root of many forms of violence that we see in our communities. Addressing trauma will contribute significantly to other issues that we regard as being of prime importance. Firstly, creating a sense of security in children, to empower them to resist the lure of false security promised by the gangs. Children need to know that there are viable alternatives for their future, so that they do not turn to organized crime to make a living. They need positive role models, not only adults who resist gangsterism like our math moms, but also ex-gangsters who turn from crime. The biggest challenge here is the reintegration of ex-prisoners into society because they often return to gangs simply because they feel they lack alternatives. My main recommendation for international policymakers when it comes to fighting organized crime is to try to find the right way to increase international control of state authorities who are fighting organized crime in developing countries. The flow of information is extremely important, but also the international pressure. On the other hand, we need networking and strengthening of civil society organizations, which investigate the phenomenon of organized crime and corruption, because such organizations exist in countries in which they are registered, stigmatized, and have no support for the state financial or any other. The UN Crime Congress should focus on stopping money laundering and building community resilience. It is very important that fighting crime continues to be priority for government despite the ongoing coronavirus crisis because there are more opportunities to launder money and this will be more challenging after the end of crisis. In the future, it will be very important that the economy is kick-started by clean, rather than dirty money. The UN Crime Congress should support civil society organizations, both dealing with research and monitoring and those who are providers of uh, support to, to the victims of crime. In my humble view, the UN Crime Congress 
may focus on the major concerns of the disadvantaged sections of society like women and children who are subjected to terrible exploitation. The areas of concern are human trafficking, drug smuggling, militancy amongst youth and cyber crimes, the emerging explosive threat. With utmost humility, my message on behalf of Pakistan's civil society organizations and institutions is simple. Combating organized crime requires organized response. No single country can do it alone. Concerted plan of action at international level will make a difference. Together we can and together we will. Failure is not an option. We've heard diverse experiences and viewpoints and some disheartening insights into how organized crime continues to undermine the peaceful societies that the UN is trying to build under its Agenda 2030. However, there are also stories of hope and resilience, which must be championed and supported as the world gathers for the Crime Congress. Thank you for listening.